Hi there, welcome. My name is Michael Harris. I'm host of Falling Up Radio. I'm really ex super excited you could be here today. We have one of the most dynamic guests that we've had in a long time. But I wanted to say a couple of things to start out. I wanted to mention, of course, my, my book, Falling Down, Getting Up. And whether you're listening to this on the video or you're listening on Stitcher, iTunes, or uh, one of the other places, you can go to fallingupradio.com and get a free copy of that book right away and a few other nice little goodies as well. And I don't have these up yet, but I, I really like these hats. I, I got about 10 of these hats just for the fun of it to see Falling Up Radio. Uh, but somehow I'm going to order some more and make them available in case you want them. I've had a couple of friends that they, they um, grabbed them immediately. So this is the, the last one that I had left. And I think that's all I want to say right now. There's so much I, I want to say, but I want to get to our guest. I want to give our guest as much time as possible. Um, I met our guest actually just today. But we are both really uh, blessed to be able to be on stage together coming up soon, depending upon when you're listening to this, April 24th in Bend, Oregon. If you haven't got your plane ticket here yet, I highly encourage you to get it. So our guest and myself and a half a dozen other people have the honor and the privilege to be able to speak with um, this man right here, Les Brown. If you haven't heard of Les Brown, um, I got to tell you, there's been so many nights probably over the last 20 years or so. I've been bummed out at 10, 11, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I turn on Les, and it's like it changes my life. So it's going to be really exciting, so I hope you can make it. So with that being said now, let's get right to our guest. Kareem Ellis is just a fascinating man. I've been listening to, to some of his videos online, and you can Google him too later if you like. But he is the founder of what's called Empowered Education. This is really an organization that helps develop both corporations and individuals. Kareem is a really super dynamic motivational speaker, has spoken all over the world, Fortune 500 companies, universities, you name it, Toastmasters. He's got some awards through Toastmasters. If we have time, we'll, we'll get to that. But the list goes on and on and on. You know, I got a couple of pages of this stuff. He's got some really great topics that, that he touches on, but I want to bring him in right now and stop talking because... I'm really wanting to give this show to Kareem. So Kareem Ellis, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here today. Well, Michael, I want to thank you for having me on. It's, it's odd, but I believe that everything happens for a reason. So we didn't meet today, but yeah. we're going to cover a lot of ground today. So first of all, I want to say it's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's a pleasure to be able to share this time with you in front of your guests and in front of your, your, your host and your network. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And I, I want to start out right away and ask you, what drives you? Why do you do what you do today? What 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 wow. you to this point? That that that's such a loaded question, right? You, yeah. you would think it would be for money, you would think it would be for fame, and it really is none of that. Uh, what drives me now is the same thing that drove me when the journey first started. See, for me, the journey started at the age of twenty-six. Okay. So when I was twenty-six years old, <laughs> I found myself into a very, very debilitating situation. Uh, childhood sweetheart, moved in together, was deeply, madly in love, 
And against my parents' wishes, I decided to postpone going off to school. And so like any parent, they were like, hey, you know, you should really kind of put love on the back burner and focus on getting your career and your life in order. Well, worst case scenario happened, me and this young lady ended up breaking up. And unfortunately, when you stay together in an apartment and you break up, someone has to leave. And I was the designated person. So <laughs> the, <laughs> the words that no young man wants to hear from their parents I told you so. Those yeah. are the one words you never want to hear. And so for three months, I was homeless. Yeah. For three months, I literally dodged my parents because I didn't want them to know they were so right and I was so wrong. And then eventually I was forced to move back home. So at 26, I moved back home. Not only did I move back home, but because I was the older of the two in the relationship, I had all the credit and debt in my name. And you know, when you break up with someone, they're not going to help you pay anything. <laughs> yeah. So I'm close to 30 grand in debt. Uh, I moved into my parents' house, sleeping on the couch, in the, on the basement, in the basement, and I'm trying to figure out how to get my life jump-started. Uh, the problem being is my credit is shot. My performance at work fell off, so I found myself getting rolled up and eventually fired. Uh, at that point, I had no income coming in, so credit cards were declined. Bank accounts were closed for non-sufficient funds. Uh, the car eventually got repossessed. I got so depressed that I gained about 30, 40 pounds in weight. And I couldn't stand to look at myself in the mirror because I didn't realize how far it fallen so quickly. And so when I hit rock bottom, I got to a point where I didn't want to go on anymore. I just simply didn't want to do it. I couldn't see any value behind my life. I couldn't find out why was I here for everything to keep spiraling out of control. And so I come to the decision that I was going to commit suicide and take my life. Facts about it, I remember praying to God and saying, hey, if you can find any reason whatsoever, any reason, why should stick around? Let me know because I'm going to go through with it. And that night, I had a very vivid dream. I mean, it was the most vivid dream I've had up until this moment of my life. And it showed my funeral. But at my funeral, there were so many people in attendance, the line stretched around the block. And so when I came out of my sleep in a cold sweat, I woke up heart beating, wondering what did I just see? And so I got on my knees and prayed about it. And the words that came to me was so clear. It said, this will be the amount of people you will impact while you're here on this planet. And at that moment, I understood the one thing that was going wrong in my life. See, up until the age of 26, like most of us, we're taught to chase money. We're taught to chase job titles. We're taught to satisfy the ego. We're taught to find significant others. We're taught to find a lot of frivolous things for stature. But no one teaches us to chase our purpose. Not one time through kindergarten to 12th grade did a teacher sit me down and say, Kareem, what's your purpose? Why are you here? What have you been placed on this planet to do? And so that was the thing that changed everything up. At that moment, I understood the most important thing for me to chase was purpose. And so that's the reason why I'm here right now. That's the reason why I continue to give powerful messages and to be a vessel, because I understand that's walking in my purpose. Wow, that, that's, yeah. So... What did you do once you got this message? And mm -hmm. it said, you know, you got to chase your purpose. What mm -hmm. did you do to find it? Did you, did you find a mentor? Did you read a book? <laughs> did you go to church? Where did you find <laughs> this purpose? So, so I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> so here is my strong belief with purpose. For everyone listening to this right now, watching this right now, I want you to understand you're not here by accident. You're not some cosmic mistake where you just got popped out. There's a reason why you're here. 
And I want you to understand something deeper than that. Not only are you here for purpose, but you've been given all the tools and resources you need to accomplish the purpose. So one of the things Tony Robbins said about four years ago that I love so much, he said, there's not a lack of resources on this planet. There's not a lack of resources. There's a lack of resourcefulness, meaning how well am I able to juggle the things I'm already exposed to or sitting on? So the very first thing I have to ask myself, if this is my purpose, is to go out and inspire the masses to give their best and become the, the full equation of who they were created and designed to be, what resources do I have to pull this off? Well, the first resource I have is my gift to gap. Yeah. See, the beautiful thing about that is I, that, that gift of gab has been sitting on me since the time I was put on this planet. As a child growing up, I got in trouble for talking too much. My senior year, I was voted most talkative. So naturally for me, the tool I was going to use was going to be, number one, your gifts and talents. Okay? So that's the first thing. But the second thing, you already mentioned it, it was the concept of mentors. It was the concept of mentors. And one of the reasons why I love mentors so much, mentors give you a glimpse into your future. If you have the right mentor, that's the catch. Got to have the right mentor. But the beautiful thing about mentors, mentors can give you everything you need to help you get to the finish line. Not only get to the finish line, but get to your finish line in a quicker time frame, a quicker time frame. So I've studied up under a lot of great people. I've studied up under a lot of big name speakers, most notably Les Brown being the most recent one. But with Les Brown, you, you just got to understand that there's so much that I've learned from him in such a short amount of time. If he's been doing this for 50 years, he's spoken in 51 countries off the bat, he cuts down my learning curve. I don't have to spend 50 years in the jungle trying to figure it out. Okay. Right. So for me, it was purpose. It was figuring out what am I here to do? Number two, what are the resources I'm sitting on that help me walk in that purpose quicker and faster and more dynamically? Yeah, that, that's fascinating. It's interesting. I want to ask you this question. Sure. I've, I've, I've taught a lot of people and helped mm -hmm. a lot of people to transition mm -hmm. for whatever reason they were in transition, letting go of a job, a relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted to do something new and they gotcha. didn't believe that they necessarily had the skills and talents. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, that I like to do is to help them recognize that they mm -hmm. already have virtually all those skills and talents already. They yes. just don't know how to use it. So yes. having something doesn't mean anything unless you know how to use it, right? That's correct. I mean, Absolutely. You, you told me you got a new phone today. I don't know about yeah. you. I don't know how to use 10% <laughs> of my iPhone. But the 10% <laughs> that I know that I'm focused mm -hmm. on, I can yeah. use very well. Mm. And so, so do you find that, like, you know, People in, in your experience may maybe struggle mm -hmm. with the same thing, but if they focus mm -hmm. on that 10% mm -hmm. and not worry about the other 90%, they're mm -hmm. going to be able to get to where they want to go. I, I agree with you completely. Facts about it, uh, before the speaking business even took off, the second business I own is real estate investing. Mm -hmm. And so with both of these lines of work, both of these successful businesses, I didn't know anything about it. I had no clue what to do. The only thing that was important to the journey is when I got started, that I started walking in the general direction of what it is that I wanted. And the way life works out when you walk by faith, you will either walk towards individuals that have the ability to help you or been assigned to help you, or your, your action will draw them towards you, okay? So part of the other thing is this, and I, and I had a feeling we're gonna ask this question, so I brought something along with me. 
And for those of you guys listening to this and can't see it, um, I want you to use your dignified imagination. So I'm holding up this little small treasure chest, okay? And I keep this in my office and it's a sharp reminder because when I pop this chest open, uh, it is chock full of nothing but acorn seeds. Acorn. Nothing but acorn seeds, okay? And the reason why I have these is it's a reminder that uh, this acorn seed only knows how to do one thing. It knows how to transform into the tree it's designed to be. That's all it knows how to do. It doesn't know how to do anything else but transform into what its purpose is, okay? But here's the issue. The transformation process doesn't take place until the seed is properly planted. Yeah. That is so powerful. That's so powerful. That means in order for me to get the actual tree out of this, it's got to be planted in the right soil. So that's the other thing. In addition to identifying your gifts that can be used to get you to your finish line and finding the right mentors, you also got to be properly planted. Meaning my gift of speaking is not designed to work everywhere. And that's one of the mistakes I see a lot of people make when chasing success. They'll try to plant seed in, arena, in arenas that the seed's not designed to grow in. Yeah. So you also have to know what environment is most conducive to the growth of my own personal success. Yeah, yeah. I like that because like that acorn, you couldn't plant that in four feet of snow and expect it to grow. <laughs> you know, in the middle of the winter, right? That's right. That's correct. You, you have that to plant correct. it in the right soil at the right time of year, pull the weeds, water, whatever those things are that you need to do to nurture that particular seed. Mm, spot on, spot yeah, on. I, I like that. I, I want to like uh, may, maybe do a rough segue here, but okay. I want to know a little bit more about who you are and okay. what, what growing up, what, what was growing up like as a child. Okay. So with me growing up, I was actually born in Gary, Indiana. And Gary, Indiana is famous, obviously, for Michael Jackson, which everyone is familiar with. Um, however, when I was born in Gary, Indiana, Gary had one of the highest murder rates in the country. Mm -hmm. So Gary was a very volatile place. All the factory jobs pull out and you had nothing but liquor stores and gun shops, you know. So it wasn't the place to raise any type of kids at. And so dad went to school, got a, got an engineering degree from Purdue University. Purdue moved us from Gary to Cincinnati, Ohio hired him on as a manager at GE, and our lives changed. So we went from bottom level poor. When I say poor, I mean poor <laughs> to upper middle class almost overnight. Wow. And growing up was great. I mean, we had the best of everything. We were going to private schools. We had the great education. We were spoiled kids. But the thing that defined my childhood was uh, right after I graduated high school, General Electric had this huge layoff. And GE was one of the top employers in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so unfortunately, even though dad had owned several rental properties and he was making great income, great salary income for General Electric, one of the first lessons I learned in success is your lifestyle should not mirror your income. And so when dad got let go, unfortunately, he couldn't find a job that was paying the same salary as GE. And so we lost everything in like a three-year time frame. That means we lost the house we had built from the ground up. We lost 14 rental properties. Um, everything went faster than it came. And that shaped me to understand the power of entrepreneurship. And so that's what actually pushed me towards entrepreneurship, being in control of my own destiny, so to speak. One of the things I tell everyone, and it's not to disagree with anyone that has a nine to five job. You know, if you're doing what you love, that's awesome. But even if you have a nine to five job, you got to remember one thing, one thing only, you are your plan A. Everything else is your plan B. 
And so the problem with most of us, we make everything else plan A and we're plan B and we figure that out a day late and a dollar short. So even with the government shutdown that happened a few months ago, you know, as a child growing up, we were instructed there are certain jobs you want to go after because of the security level. We're told as kids that if you get a government job, that's a good job. That'll never be taken away from you. You know, mm -hmm. tell that to the people that populated my social media timeline with go help me accounts or go fund me accounts because they never saw it coming. They never saw the layoff coming and the loss of income and the loss of mortgage payments and the cars get repossessed. And so I'm a stern believer as an entrepreneur, you are your plan A, everything else is plan B. Even if you love your job, that's fine, but also have other streams of income coming in. Sure, sure. Now, it, it's interesting. I want to know what your first, what you mm -hmm. consider your first entrepreneur job. I know when, when <laughs> I was 12 years old, I used to buy lawnmowers from the local oh, wow. garden shop at the trade-ins for a dollar, <laughs> fix them up, turn around and sell them for $25, put a 30-day mm. guarantee on it, never yeah. had it returned and this is starting at 12 years old so i mm. consider that my first entrepreneur venture wow what was yours <laughs> my first entrepreneur venture was in third grade and it was an entrepreneurial accident is what i call it uh, what ended up happening was mom gave me lunch money for the week and back then back in the 80s lunch cost a dollar 25 and mom gave me a five dollar bill to cover me for the week and normally you go to school, the teacher would do roll call, and the teacher would ask if you're packing or buying. If you're, if you're buying, come to the front of the room, you give the teacher your money. Well, what ended up happening was I went to check my coat pocket, I noticed the $5 bill was missing. And so I quickly got permission, ran outside, jumped on the school bus before it took off, and I combed the floor looking desperately for this $5 bill, which I couldn't find. And so that day at school, I went hungry. Mm -hmm. uh, I got home, I didn't even bring it up to mom because I was afraid she was gonna get me for being irresponsible. And then about two or three days later, I realized that the money that I put in my pocket had fallen through the jacket lining. There was a small hole. And so as I dug around inside of there, I found some loose change, but I found that $5 bill. And as opposed to tell mom and give the money back, I went to the local corner store and I bought a bunch of candy. <laughs> well, of so responsible, right? Yeah. So I go to school the next day and I got this whole bag of candy. And that's back when teachers really, really cared. In other words, they saw that junk food they're confiscating it. And so I snuck it out onto the playground and I'm eating now laters and Jolly Ranchers. And one at a time, kids are coming up to me saying, oh, ooh, can I have one? Can I have one? And very quickly I said, well, if I paid 10 cents for this box of, for this pack of now laters, let me charge them 20 cents. <laughs> so I doubled the markup and I realized at the end of the day how much money I made. And so this went on for about a week and a half. I kept going and taking the profits and buying more candy and coming back. And so I was on a playground dishing out all this candy getting changed and it was a thursday and i'm sitting out on the playground in the corner and i got about 10 kids around me and the teacher's looking across the playground and she sees one kid surrounded by a circle of 10 kids and then teacher's mind it was a fight going on so she runs across the playground top speed gets over there blowing her whistle to break it up and here i am with a bag full of candy and a handful of pocket change and she confiscated all of them <laughs> <laughs> School lets out at 3 o'clock. I get called to the principal's office around 2 o'clock. When I get down there, he goes, Ellis, we got a problem. And I'm sitting there just quiet as a church mouth. He said, for the last two weeks, we couldn't figure out why no one was buying stuff out the school bookstore inside the library. And now we know why. You're on the playground undercutting our profits. <laughs> 
So he gave me the money back with a solemn swear that I could never do it again. And that was my first venture in entrepreneurship. The problem I had was this. They made me feel bad for thinking outside the box. Ah, So crucial, so crucial. But once you have learned the taste for creating your own wealth, I, I, I don't believe it ever goes away. I don't believe it ever goes away. And so we had a string of different, what I call legal hustles, so to speak, where we raised cash from cutting runs to selling old beat up toys that we had. We had a string of that. In fact, that actually jumped over into present day because the way I got out of the nine to five job, I created an online vintage toy business. And that was a seed capital that got me out the nine to five over to real estate, which got me over into speaking. Mm. Wow. Now, I want to switch to something. You may be surprised, you may not. Sure. I know, I, I know that when you were younger, you kind of liked Pac-Man. Mm, I did. I was a Pac-Man fan. Pac-Man <laughs> fan. But I also know you got in trouble over Pac-Man. Oh, man. Jeez. Wow. You were taking me back so far. Wow. What did I get in trouble over? I mean, I... <laughs> I, I, I got to put you on hold one second because I'm glad you brought that up, man. Give me, <laughs> give me one second here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a grown adult. I'm oh, look at adult. that. <laughs> and, and, and I still got my vintage 1980s handheld Pac-Man game, man. I, I'm a huge Pac-Man advocate. But, yeah, I got in trouble with Pac-Man. Uh, Pac-Man was the first time I ever got caught stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I was so obsessed with it because it was a craze when it came out. And I remember going to this grocery store and I wanted the toy so bad. It's a little small three-inch figurine and I wanted it so bad. And I remember asking mom and mom told me no because she had just bought me something the other day. And so I took Pac-Man and I confiscated him. I, I, I took him and quickly slid him into my pocket and walked out with mom through the cash register and got in the car. And I would have gotten away with it in the words of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Had I not been impatient, I was in the back seat, real quiet, playing with him. And mom looks over the back seat to see what's going on because she knows her talkative son never shuts up. And she sees the toy smack dab on my lap, and she makes me go back to the store in front of everybody and give him back. By, by far, one of my top ten most embarrassing moments. <laughs> wow! And how old were you? Oh, wow! Uh, at that time, I want to say I was about eight, nine years old. I believe at that time. Yeah. Eight, nine years old. Now, now here's the thing. The lesson I learned out of that was this. Um, that's the power of the imagination, okay? Um, one of the things I hate about us as adults is a lot of times we don't use our imagination to get the things that we want. So even though I was using my imagination the wrong way, I was still using my imagination. So even to be successful in this day and age, I, I'm a visionary. I've used my imagination to create things that did not exist in the tangible, but up here in the mental. Okay. I'm a strong believer. If you think it, you can, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it's, I, I used to do a lot of uh, vision <laughs> webinars, how to create your vision. Mm -hmm. One of the things, one of the examples that, that I would use is, you know, you go to the grocery store before you go to the grocery store, you make a list, right? Yeah. And on that mm -hmm. list, you might have oranges, you might have bananas, you might have bacon, mm -hmm. you might have whatever mm -hmm. you want. And you're creating sure. your vision list. Right? Mm, absolutely. You get in your car, you go to the grocery store, and everything that you envisioned is all there. There may be right. some other things there that you didn't have on your list, but you realize mm. once you started getting those things that you were visioning, mm -hmm. you wanted a couple of other things too. You wanted this yeah. with 
bacon, you wanted some, some bananas or pineapple, you know, a few mm -hmm. extra things. And then you mm -hmm. get the basket and you put it all in a basket Mm -hmm. You go up to the counter and you exchange a little bit of money and you walk out with the bag full of your vision that you had just created. Absolutely. And then you get to eat it and enjoy the fruits <laughs> of your vision, right? That's, that's the best part. That's the best part. <laughs> but, but we make visioning so hard. But it's as yeah. simple as visioning an orange and yeah. going to the store, coming mm -hmm. out and getting it. Yeah. But then when we Absolutely. try to envision something else, we make it such a, a big deal, so to speak. Yeah, that's, that's true. Now, now, one of the things I've done to help me with my vision is to seek out folks that already have what I want. Yeah. To seek out folks that already have what I want. And I think that's a big problem I see with a lot of people. A lot of people don't do that. Um, I tell people it's hard for you to pursue what you can't perceive. It's hard to chase what you don't believe. And so with every venture I go after, the first thing I try to do is figure out who around me's already done it. It's got the t-shirt, the coffee mug. <laughs> they got the prizes to show that they got the participation for showing up and then figure out somehow how I can possibly shadow or link up with them. So I increase my awareness of what I want, but yeah. absolutely without a doubt, everything starts with vision. Uh, the, the book of life says, write the vision and make it plain. That means there must be clarity behind what I want to go after. The more clear I am about what I want, the easier it is for me to go after it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you, you, I know you're a fan of Napoleon Hill. Yes, die hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> die hard, die hard. Yeah. Yeah. How how long have you been studying Napoleon Hill information? I, I have been studying Napoleon Hill since 26. 26 is where I lost everything, and then 26 started the new chapter in my life. So I'm 43 now. I've been studying Napoleon Hill since 26. I've been wow. studying Napoleon since 26. Facts about it. I'm actually going to be. Uh, doing an online teaching on Napoleon Hill's principles only because I I love the principles so much and they apply in every aspect of life. I don't care what you do for a living or what your goal is. There's nuggets of wisdom you can take and apply to every arena you are literally in. It's powerful, yeah. powerful yeah. concepts. Absolutely. Do, do you know Bob Proctor? I do know Bob. I'm very familiar with Bob. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, Bob's got a uh, Think and Grow Rich book, right? One yeah. of the original... And he he almost is always in a jacket and tie, right? Yes. And he, he has <laughs> this book in his mm -hmm. jacket, and he's been carrying it around for decades. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, his, his book looks better than Paul Martinelli's. I don't know if you've seen Paul Martinelli's from, from the Maxwell team. His book has been through hell and back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that cover is barely, barely hanging on. But, yeah, it's, it's such a powerful read. Yeah. And there's so many successful people from all walks of life that attribute a large part of their success to Napoleon's principles. And the book stays on the bestsellers list. I mean, it's been there forever. It's been there forever. It's like the second most translated underneath the Bible, yeah. you know? So it's, it's a powerful read, definitely powerful read. Um, I encourage people to read it at least once a year because every year you're a little bit farther in your growth than you were before. So things will leap out on that page you never saw two years ago. Oh, powerful. absolutely. I, I see new new paragraphs in there going, yes. I've never read this before. Where did yeah. it come from? Did this just get put in there? Who put absolutely. this sentence in there? You, you'll be checking the manuscript to say, man, did someone come in here and sneak in? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, there's so many things that I want to talk to you about, and we don't have sure. all the time to, to be able to do that today. But Gotcha. 
tell the listeners a little bit about John Maxwell and and how you got involved. And as, as I understand it, you're one of the found, founding members of that. That is correct. That is correct. Can, that is correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, absolutely. You know, when you are in the, the leadership sphere, especially if you're a speaker or a trainer or a coach, uh, you gravitate towards other like-minded people. And so I call Les Brown the maestro motivation. I, I, I look at Les Brown and I say that, you know, Les Brown has motivation on lock. I've been listening to Les Brown since I was eight years old. When I look at leadership, I look at John Maxwell. John Maxwell's in his 70s, and he's put out over 70 leadership books. So if you want to learn leadership, you go to what you look at as a leadership expert. And so with the Maxwell team, he has, man, geez. I mean, he's accomplished so much his career to come from being a pastor to being recognized in that field. So when I joined the Maxwell team, um, it was an honor and a privilege to be able to take some of their principles and to be able to teach them, but to also add my own concepts on top of them. So the one principle I love the most, he says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And that's a principle I live by. That's a principle I encourage your listeners to, 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 to actually move on, leadership being influence. But I'd like to take it a step forward. Uh, I say leadership is influence, but influence is opportunity. Meaning that if I can create a leadership behind whatever it is I do, if I'm a speaker, be the best speaker I can. If I'm a leader in corporate America, be the best leader I can. If I'm a leader in multi-level marketing, be the best leader I can. But the more I increase my leadership level, the more influential I become, okay? That means the moves, the words, the things I do, I begin to influence the space around me on a regular basis. And the more influential I am, then opportunities start to come to you. Versus you getting up every day trying to look for opportunities. So uh, in the speaking sphere, under the Maxwell guys, when I start out as a speaker, I have to go look for speaking engagements everywhere. Uh, the beautiful thing about following this principle, now they come to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to work as hard at this point in time, whether it be real estate, whether it be speaking, teaching, training, coaching. The idea is to put your leadership out there on such a vast scale that folks recognize you for what it is you do and your contribution to society. And then they start to be the pathway to your door. Yeah. Powerful. I love that. And I, I, that's a, a lot. You talk a lot about leverage and leveraging mm -hmm. who you are and what you do. And part mm -hmm. of what I just heard you say is part mm -hmm. of that leverage concept. And I know you've mm -hmm. talked for hours just on leverage, but can yes. you mention <laughs> something about the importance of that? I, I can, I can. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures is one by Abraham Lincoln, where he says, if you give me six hours, six hours to cut down a tree, I will spend four hours sharpening the axe. Mm. And the first time I heard it, I said, well, what does Abraham, honest Abe, know that I don't know? He knows that most people will grab a dull, rusty blade and be out there hacking for 12 hours instead of able to cut it down in two hours. And yeah. so when chasing goals and dreams, the first thing you got to focus on is what leveraging tools do I have access to that's going to get me to my finish line quicker and faster, okay? And so if I had to throw out some leveraging tools or techniques that's helped me out, um, number one, I'm going to say vision, okay? Vision being that I'm crystal clear on what I'm going after, all right? Um, most of the people I encounter, they want success, but they have no idea what success looks like. So opportunity to get there could be staring right in their face and it'll pass them over because they don't recognize it. So number one, vision. What is it that I want? Uh, the second thing I would say is time because time's a leverage tool. Um, whether we know it or not, everything we do is mired in time. 
uh, I'm sitting here holding a can of Del Monte green beans, all right? And I'm not the biggest green bean fan, but if I flip the can over, it says the expiration date is October 12, 2016. October 12, 2016. There's expiration date on this. Whether we know it or not, our goals and dreams have expiration dates as well. So that means everything I do must be mired in time. That means time is either working in my favor or working against me every second of the day. So when folks ask me why it was so important for me to quit my nine to five job, and I'm not recommending anyone do that because I didn't want to spend 40 hours a week watering something that wasn't mine. Yeah. Okay. My dreams grew quicker and faster leverage if I can put the time behind it. So if I had to give another leverage tool, I kind of covered it earlier. It's knowing your God given gifts and talents, meaning what do I do exceptionally well and how do I use that giftedness or my education or expertise to get me to my finish line quicker and faster. Okay. So I would say gifts is a leverage tool. Um, we covered mentors a little bit earlier, but definitely mentors have been a leverage tool for me. Um, again, if I know I have a certain amount of time on this planet, I don't have 50 years to figure it out. So who's the best there is at what I want to do and how can I get them to teach me and show me how to get there quicker and faster and how to improve upon it. Uh, the last one I would say would be the environment and I covered it earlier. Seeds are designed to grow in the right place. And the problem is with most of us, we're trying to plan our goals and dreams in a wrong environment. So mm -hmm. if I want to go quicker and faster, I got to be privy to that. There's a, there's a place where I can exceed my best and there's a place where I'll be moving in slow motion, but I got to be aware of my environment at all times. Sure, sure. Is, is in, in addition to that, I, I know you talk a lot about, um, you know, the mental relationships that we have mm. with people. And, okay. and the, the aspects of that that work and the aspects of mm -hmm. that that don't, because if you have mental... Sure relationships and you're trying mm -hmm. to do this leverage but some mm -hmm. of those mental relationships could be pulling you down yes but some of those mental relationships could be bringing you up so that's true how does that fit into everything okay so with mental relationships and, and here's a problem uh i'm a strong believer and i know we're, we're going to kind of cover this a little bit later but i'm just going to jump in and throw it out now i'm a strong believer that most of us move based on habits yeah. <laughs> most of us move on habits and we all know it takes 21 days according to straight a habit that means when i do something for 21 days straight it's a habit and without knowing it it's on autopilot and so the way i drive my car so autopilot the way i drink a glass of water it's autopilot okay the way i brush my teeth the way i hold a fork is on autopilot that means i engage in the act without even thinking about how i do it I've done it so many times. And whether we know it or not, it's just not the motor functions that are on autopilot. Mm -hmm. It's our, our train of thought. That means that a lot of times we typically gravitate towards people that look like us, talk like us, act like us, walk like us, have the same political affiliations, religious beliefs, viewpoints. In my lifetime, I hung around people that had the same broke bank account size as me back then because that's our level of comfort. and We all want to blend in. And so the problem with mental relationships, oftentimes we'll gravitate towards people that have the opposite of what we need to get to our finish line. Mm. We'll do it very, very easily. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's by habits on autopilot. And so one of the things you have to do with habits is understand your habits are either taking you closer to your finish line or holding you back at any moment in time. Now, the beautiful thing about a habit is you can get rid of a habit by replacing it with a better, more in tune habit. Okay, but in order for you to do that, you got to be aware of it. So 
in this season of my life, I, I had a habit of hanging around certain people that I have to have awareness of what I was doing and start to let some of those people go. Because some of those folks were just mental downfalls, mental, uh, I would call them mental downgrades, so to speak. And you become the likeness of the five people you hang with the most. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, the, that's the dangerous part about hanging around with folks that have that mental incapacity of where it is you want to go to. You know, that's the danger part because you'll become the very people you hang with. Mom said it best, you know, uh, whoever you hang with, you become like. So mom used to scream our friends because if she liked that friend, you couldn't play with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. Our, our, our parents, I, I know my parents did that too, you know, like, yeah. I don't know whether you want to hang out yeah. with Johnny or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but but it, but it's amazing because I, I hate to I hate to tell mom and dad they're right, but when I look back even over my social media, some of those folks I grew up with, I'm like looking at some of the stuff they post. I go, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you were so right! Wow, mom, yeah. mom knew, mom knew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I, I I like to think sometimes, you know, that mm -hmm. idea of you know like moms and breathing. Right. I don't know about Ooh. you, but like yeah. something happened in the neighborhood. I was seven, eight, nine years old, whatever. And, you know, mm -hmm. somebody beat somebody up or whatever, you know, little kids thing that, that happened. And I'd yeah. run up to the back door and, you know, out of breath. Mom, 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 mom. And she'd, Michael, <laughs> calm down and breathe. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't want to breathe. I want to tell you what happened. Right. We've all Absolutely. had that. Yeah, but they just mothers intuitively know how to handle those situations. They they do they yeah. do. Oh my lord, you are so spot on with that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So we're we're coming already towards the end. I know you've got yeah. a lot of stuff coming up um, mm -hmm. over the next couple months. I know mm -hmm. you're working on getting a book out. I know you're sure. coming up here to to Ben to speak with mm -hmm. our group and with Les. Is there mm -hmm. something that you'd really like to put out there for the listeners to hear, you know, mm -hmm. as we come to the end of the time, maybe one of those things, maybe something else. It's okay. A okay. So, so what I would say is this, if I take anything to kind of sum up, um, I would like to give something more in, in tune with what we talked about. <laughs> well, number one, if, if you're listening, come to the Bend Oregon event. That's first and foremost. <laughs> come to the event it's going to be colossal it, it was colossal enough to reschedule it that's how colossal it's going to be i mean you're going to get less you're going to get the whole host of speakers and when i talk i'm going to give some content that's going to be mind-blowing as well so number one go to the event uh but number two uh i would just want to tell the listeners whatever your goal and dream is in 2019 because less calls 2019 the year of your dream uh, i want you to know that you are fully equipped with everything that you need everything that you need to get started. Stop doubting, stop wondering, stop procrastinating, and just take the leap. Just take the leap. But take the leap uh, with a little bit of common sense and wisdom, meaning, number one, find a mentor. If you don't have a mentor, find someone who you can get up under and learn the ropes of what it is you want to learn. Cut down your learning time and cut down on your mistakes. So number one, find a mentor. Uh, number two, discover your giftedness. And this is something I want to talk about in detail, but figure out What's your home court advantage? What are you sitting on right now that's designed to make you the alpha in life's race? There's something you're sitting on. Every creature on this planet has some unique gift, some unique skill set. 
What's your skill set? And how can you use that to catapult you or use it as a leverage to get you to your finish line? Uh, the third thing we talk about is vision. That's, that's being clear. That's being very crystal clear over what it is you want to go after in this season, okay? Um, one of the concepts I talk about is GPS, your success. And I say that, you know, a GPS is useless to you given an address. Your life works the same exact way. So where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? What do you want to have? What do you want to achieve? And most importantly, what do you want to do with your time here on the planet? And then number four, be aware of time. Understand that you don't have forever to get it done. Most of us make the mistake of thinking we have all day and all night and all year to get great things done. Uh, there was a, a young artist by the name of Nipsey Hussle who just lost his life at the age of 33. Senseless gun violence is spread all over the news. And when you look at this young man's legacy, you know he had so much more to accomplish, so much more to do, but it got cut short. And so the idea being is, will I take advantage of the concept of time? Will I make time my, my, my adversary or will I, will I make it something that's going to catapult me and get me to my finish line quicker and faster? So those would be four key things I would leave with your listeners as far as going after goals and dreams in 2019. I, I, I like it. And, if somebody wants to find out more about you, is it best to go to the, your website? Where, where should they go? Well, I'm glad you asked that because we've got a couple ways to reach out to me. Number one, most noticeably, the website. And I'm going to spell it out because I get a lot of people that butcher the name. <laughs> uh, so it's Kareem, uh, K-A-R-I-M, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, dot com. So Kareem Ellis dot com. If you're looking for a keynote, a workshop, um, there's a list of topics that I cover on there. We do customized presentations as well. Um, this weekend, I'm actually shooting up to Iowa. So I'll be there with the United States Postal Service at their career conference. I think there's going to be a little over 200 in attendance. I'll be keynoting there. And then from there, it's going to be Ben Oregon with you. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. then Les Brown, uh, 26, 27, 28 out in LA. Uh, so I'll be with Les then and I'm just getting word now that I'll, I'll be in Chicago with Les in May as well. I believe May 2nd is the date in Chicago that I'll be there on his uh, Les Brown, You Gotta Be Hungry tour. So, um, yeah. and then also they can reach me on social media. So if you're on social media, you can find me at Kareem R. Ellis, R is the middle initial, uh, on Facebook. On Instagram is Kareem Ellis 1, the number one after it. Uh, and then on LinkedIn is Kareem R. Ellis. Um, if you're looking for content, videos, so on and so forth, some of my work, um, I'm highly Googleable. Just Google Kareem Ellis and everything will pop up. Um, I take that leadership influence opportunity thing very, very seriously. If you are an influencer, you got to be Googleable. You got you to pop up. I got to be able to type your name in and all types of wonderful stuff should pop up from you. And then obviously we got the book coming out here and that's to release in like the next two and a half months. That's GPS, your success. The address determines the destination. And Mr. Les Brown's agreed to do the foreword on that book. So that releases in two and a half months. Well, that, that's wonderful. And depending upon where, where you're listening, again, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, mm -hmm. you can go to uh, fallingupradio.com and mm -hmm. uh, find Kareem's page. And all these links will be on his page. So they'll be right there. So in case you didn't get a chance to write it down. Um, mm -hmm. Or, you know, you can rewind a little bit and, and listen again. Either way, you can do that. Um, Kareem, I, I, I have a feeling that we could go for a couple of hours. Yeah, well, you know, you get two talkers together, you know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, I want to tell you, I, I learned a lot, and, and this was a really great way to get to know you more mm. and get to know the struggles that you had, 
overcoming and, and you know, going through the, the breakup and the, the feeling of despair and, and finding a way to overcome that and, mm. and finding um, really your true skills. And, you know, I think for all the, all the listeners, Kareem has really taught us, you know, about how important it is to recognize who we are, where we are, the people that, that we surround ourselves with, what our vision is, you know, mentorship and, you know, really diving into these things to really create the life that um, you want to live. You know, and it's just like what this show is, is about is about falling up, you know, we're raw, edgy, frank conversations, you know, and we've all gotten the t-shirts, you know, and we've come back and, and here we are now. And mm. um, Kareem, you've just you bestowed upon us such an incredible insight and wisdom in your experience. And um, all the listeners, again, I, I hope you follow up and listen mm. to more of what Kareem has to, has to offer. I've listened to many of the sessions, say many yet, mm -hmm. several of the, of, of the videos already <laughs> that, that Kareem has. And I, I just have been spellbound because of, of the insight that, that you have, Kareem. So I really want to thank you for taking the time today to, to coming on the show and um, sharing your insights. It, it's, it's, it's my pleasure and honor when I find someone like you where you are what I consider a, a much needed vessel because a lot of us as speakers, you know, we, we, we have a message, but the message can only go so far. So when I get someone like you where you're, you're willing to showcase and share your platform, so to speak, and help our messages get out there, it's always a wonderful feeling. And, and, and I believe in the law of karma and I believe that God's going to bless you a hundredfold for what you're doing, not only for me, but what you've done for every person that you've brought onto your platform to help expound their voice. Absolutely breathtaking. And I love it. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Kareem. And, and uh, perhaps after you, you release the book at some point, we can get you back on. You can talk to us about <laughs> the, the whole GPS because I, lo I love what you say about that. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's such incredible insight. Mm. Well, I appreciate that. Definitely. We'll definitely have to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, the, the listeners, KareemEllis.com, K-A-R-I-M-E-L-L-I-S.com. And you can go find out more information about Kareem there and everything that he does. Or visit the, our website, FallingUpRadio.com. And remember, you can get a free copy of the book, Falling Down, Getting Up, on the uh, website as well. And don't forget... And Kareem, I'm so excited about all of this. <laughs> April 24th, 2019. If you're listening to yeah. this before then, get a plane ticket. Get in your car. Put it in your GPS. Bend Oregon. And come listen to Les Brown and Kareem and myself and about a half a dozen other speakers speaking at the Tower Theater. And it's going to be an extraordinary event. So I'm really excited, Kareem. I don't you, you know, I'm, I'm excited to shake your hand. Yeah. I, I, I look forward to meeting you face to face for the first <laughs> time uh, here in April, man. And we'll, we'll, we'll have a blast. We'll definitely yeah. have a blast. We'll definitely have a blast. So again, if you're listening and you enjoyed this uh, conversation, please share with your friends, subscribe. So you don't miss a, a single episode and, uh, We'll see you again or, um, you know, send us a note if you like this, put it on the Facebook page and we'll talk soon.
See, see you later. Thank you again, Kareem. All right. Okay. You're welcome. All righty. Bye-bye.